Okay. So I go to shul, and a person goes over, comes over to me, and says to me, "Did you ever hear the the medrash about Shlomo Hamelech's daughter?" I said, "I don't know. I never heard any medrash." He tells me the story, the medrash, and he tells me it's the introduction of medrash Tanchuma. We then proceed to try to find this uh, introduction. And I had a few additions, and I couldn't find it. And then he went, and he found the introduction, and it's fascinating. Now, I just want to tell you a little bit behind before we, we learn it inside. What, what I find most fascinating about this story is that I always tell people who are single that whoever you're supposed to marry you're going to marry that person because it's not going to be that you're going to miss your basheret. I tell people that all the time. As long as you act like a normal person, I mean, if you're not acting normal, then that's a whole different thing. But if you're acting like a normal person and living the best, but you're doing the best that you can do, okay? Like one, like one person once said to me that he wouldn't have done shaduchim the way I do with my children. So I said to him, I, I do the best I can. And then he took it back and he said, it really doesn't matter because as long as you're doing the best you can do as a normal human being, not acting crazy, then Hashem is going to send it in that way. I remember, this is not a shir about shidduchim, it's just that the story is about her shidduch and therefore I want to bring it in. So I remember when I was, uh, in my early dating, I, I did, I had a, it was not so easy, and I uh, I was close to the Boston Rebbe Zechut Zaliv Racha from Borough Park, of Moshe Horowitz Zechut Zaliv Racha, and uh, I was driving him one day from New York to I, I was driving him around, and he said to me, "So how is Shaduchim?" And I said, "I met this really nice girl. Now, my mother's name is Rivka, and I said I met this really nice girl." Her name is Rivka, but I can't. I don't call her Rivka. I call her Rita because my mother's name. And he knew that my mother's name was Rivka. And he says to me, "You can't marry her. She has your mother's name." And I said, "Yeah, but there's Heterim." And he says to me, I, first of all, I I called her Rita. I didn't call her Rivka. You know, I felt uncomfortable. You know, but I said to him, "But what if she's my basherit?" And he said to me. He said to me, if you keep on bumping into her, and wherever you go, people, not wherever, but people keep on bringing the name up, and you, whatever, and it's just in your face all the time, so then we'll see what to do. I never heard the name again, and Baruch Hashem, I married my wife, and I'm very, Baruch Hashem, I'm very happy I married my wife. So this medrash really fits into the story. So I'm going to read it, and... This is from Medrash Tanchuma. I just love this. I've, so since this story, I've been telling everybody about this all over Pesach. My daughter has been telling all the girls in Ezra Academy. My son Avi told over. This is becoming a popular little Medrash. We're going to get it out. Where did you okay. find it? I didn't. This person found it for me. Um, his name is um, Misha Black. Okay. Here we go. Second line. 
Umaisa Bishlomo Hamelach. You're gonna, you're gonna not gonna believe. I, I want to tell you something. Well, we'll learn it first, and then all everybody's opinions and everything. We'll listen afterwards. Um, the the Goyim take a lot of the stories. A lot of Disney movies have some basis in Jewish stories. Okay, Maisa Bishlomo Hamelach. So we're going to tell a story now about Shlomo Melech. Shehoyesolobas Yefia. He had a beautiful daughter. Ain Kamosa Bechol Eretz Yisrael. And there was nobody as wonderful and as beautiful as Shlomo's daughter. I mean, that's what you expect anyway. But but the best. He beat the Mazolois. Remember, Shlomo Melech was the Chacham from all people on the earth. He was able to speak the language of all of the animals. He was able to speak the language of the birds. He communicated with Shadim, right? He was able to, he knew the, the language of trees and plants. So, you know, when you're in that type of situation already, you know, and he can he, hear the light bulbs talking to each other. So, so... You know, so what's the big deal? He decided to find out me, Ben Zugo, me, Yusana. You want to know who's going to be the Zivig? You know, because it's such an idea that the Zivig is there, right? So he's decided he's going to figure out who the husband is going to be. Okay. Vira, and he sees, Shu Oni Echad, he's poor. The Ain be Israel Oni Kamoso. There's nobody as poor as this guy. So he felt it's not befitting. This is not the guy that he expected that his daughter is gonna marry. We all understand that because we've all had people who've decided what is best for Shaduchim. And I don't need to say any more than that. Ma'asa, so what did he do? Bona migdal gavor biyam. He built a giant cast, a giant tower in the middle of the Mediterranean Ocean. Vohoyim masbibo bechol avor misaviv, and he made like, like um, protective buoys or something around it, so that nobody could get into this castle. Lokach Bito, so he goes, he takes his daughter, Bisam Osa Osa Migdal Gavoa, and he puts her into this castle. Bishamim Shivim Sarisim Mizikne Israel, and he brings seventy wise people to be there to take care. The Chachamim from Eretz Israel. Okay. So she's got the Tamidi Chachama there, but this there's people there, but she's by herself on the top floor of this castle. Over Migdolo Osa Pesach, there was no opening in this castle, Shalo Yikones Odom Shambo, so that nobody can get into this castle. Because he's not letting this chassan, this guy, become the Zivik. You understand, he's trying to control, but you can't control. Life is a universe where you think you're in control. How many people really believe that they're in control of their lives and everything that they do? Don't all raise your hands at the same time. Now, 
And he put a lot of food in the place. The place loaded with food. You know, provisions. It's stocked up. And he probably would keep on going and refill and everything. And he used to visit, as we'll see. So it wasn't like she was locked in there against against her will, against society and everything. It's just that this is what Tati feels is best for you. We don't know how we don't know how old she was. She's probably a young girl, probably, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. But whatever it is, he made all the provisions. She's there. Omar, the era poel Hashem Umaseu. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. The Yamim Hoya Osa Oni Shahu Ben Zuga. It happened that the poor man who was the Zivig, he's taking a walk. How many people take walks at night? It happens. He's taking a walk. Hoya Arum, he was like naked, and he was very hungry. And he was thirsty. He had no place to sleep. He wasn't naked, naked, but he had no clothing. You know, he wasn't wearing, you know, he wasn't wearing um, Canadian goose feather jackets, you know. Well, oh, I'm sorry. That's the wrong thing. That's not the Madrega. Goose knuckles. You need a goose knuckle, right? A moose knuckle. I'm sorry. He wasn't wearing that. He didn't have what are the shoes that they all wear the uh, the um, the very comfortable the girls wear the the, the boots what are they? No, the Uggs. Uggs. He was he's not wearing any Uggs. Raw. So what do you do if you've ever nobody? I mean, I would never watch this, but if anybody ever saw survival type of movies or TV shows, what do you do if you're caught in a uh, in a situation of extreme? Cold temperature. What do you do? Where you could freeze to death. What do you do? Everybody, you guys never watch Survivor Man. Build a fire. What's the guy's wood? No, there's no wood to make a fire. It's cold at night. You're not making fire. It's very hard. It's very hard to make a fire. But let's say that's an answer. By the way, the wood, the wood would be a good idea. But he didn't do that. Instead, what you're supposed to do, according to all these guys, is... Find what? a cave. Other people? body one. You guys have not watched the movies. You find a dead carcass, and you go into the dead oh, carcass. Oh, Lord. So, Ron, so it happens to be that that's, uh, the Medrash knew this, because the Medrash knows everything. So, Ron Nevela Shore, he sees... The nevela, the carcass of a of a bull, mushlachas basoda, just hanging in the middle of the field is a carcass. So what do you do when you see a carcass and it's cold? Nichlis ba, bein hatzlos, right? He goes into the carcass. Okay. Why do you do this? La hapil also because he had a, he it was cold. Ha yoshen ba, goes to sleep. He he falls asleep. When this happens, what do you think happens next? What do you think happens next? <laughs> ba of Godel, a big bird comes. The Natal Osa Hanavela picks up the picks up the carcass. The Nasa 
Al gag also migdal al cheder habachora and picks it up, goes over the Mediterranean and drops it on top of the of the ca- of the castle of the in the in the middle of the Mediterranean on top of her, her on top of the roof on top of her. By the way, I looked it up and eagles. And there's one type of eagle, a giant eagle that can carry like forty pounds or fifty pounds. This is a big one. It's a big one. Okay, you guys are enjoying this. Or am I the only crackpot? <laughs> oh, I'm enjoying. It. Okay, and on the top of the on top of the on top of the castle, the on top of the not castle. What's it called? The tower. tower. tower the bird is eating the nevela. It stays there. Until the sun rises, and then it goes its own way. Now, at that point, the girl gets up in the morning at sunrise. She gets up. Why? Mm-hmm. She goes up on top of the tower, like she does every day. And she sees this guy there. She sees him there. Amrlo, she says to him, Miata, who are you? Umi heviacha, heina. And uh, how'd you get here? Amrlo Yehudiani. She says, I am Jewish. He says, I'm, I'm a Jew. Mibnei Akoani. I'm from the city of Akko. Okay, I mean, it's Akko, Mediterranean. But I got here from the bird. The bird dropped me here. So what did she do? She brought him She goes and she gets some clothes. And she brings him into her room. She gets some clothes. And she washes him. Um... And she sees that he's so handsome. There's nobody as handsome as this guy. This guy is the George Clooney. No. He is he's a handsome guy. And she falls in love with him. And their hearts are connected. And the guy was a sharp guy. And he was very learned, and he happened to be a sofer. On top of all this, he was not only learned, but he also was a sofer. Why does he have to be a sofer? You'll find out in a minute. <laughs> One day he says to her, I'm sorry, one day she says to him, would you like to marry me? Amar He says, I wish. But how can I do it? So what did he do? What everybody would know you do. Ma'asa. Hikizdam. He took blood because he had no ink. So he took out blood. The cost of Laksuva. And he wrote a ksuba, because after all, he's a sofer. So he goes and he takes blood from his arm, and he writes a ksuba. 
Never thought about that. No, you, I bet no. Is and not only that, not only is it like that, but you know you can't write a, a get with blood because a get has to be. I don't think so, you could, but a suva can be printed. I, I can't imagine it's a problem. The kidsha, and he gives a kedushin. But the problem was there was nobody there. So what do you do when you don't have anybody to be aided? What do you do? Come on, guys. What do you do? You have no witnesses. He said, God is our witness. And the Edim, Michal, the Gavriel, the angels, Michal and Gavriel, are the two witnesses to the marriage. We understand that's what everybody would do. <laughs> so they were, then they lived together. And she becomes pregnant. Kishiro Osa Hazekenemuberes. When the wise man says she's pregnant, Amrula Kimaduma Lonushat Muberes. You look a little bit like you're showing here. Like it looks a little bit like you're pregnant. Amrulam Hain. Yeah. Amrula Umiminis Abra. Like how did you get pregnant? Amrulahem. Malacham Ladas, what's your business? <laughs> it's not your business to know. They got scared. They got scared. Why would they get scared? They're afraid that the Papa, Shlomo Amelech, he pen a Yosim Aleim Alilis Tavarim. They're going to say, he's going to say, one of you guys did this. And this is not going to happen in my kingdom, and it's going to be bad. So he goes, and he, they, he, they send the message, Shlomo, you got to get here. You got to talk about it. <laughs> so Shlomo goes, goes on a boat. And they tell him, our master, our king, this is what happened. But Al Yosim Adonayim Avodav Avon, like, like we really didn't do anything. So don't look at us as being the the evil per the people. Kishishama, when he heard this, Kara Levito, he calls his daughter. You hear that first. You hear that the first. He listens. He didn't get crazy. He didn't accuse anybody. He hears, and then he goes. He asks the daughter. She says, God brought me this guy. Yofa, he's handsome. It's an interesting thing that the first thing we all notice, it I don't care what it I don't care who is this. Unless you're interested in marrying a four hundred pound woman, if somebody shows you a picture of a four hundred pound woman, you're not dating her. It has to be somebody that you find attractive. Does everybody agree with that? Yeah. The first thing she says is that Hashem sent me a bacher who's yafa, who's attractive, whatever that means in her eyes, attractive. Vitov, vitamud, vitsofer, vikitishani, and he he married me. Kara the bacher. So Shlomo Melch calls the guy, uvoli hamelech, and he comes in front of the king. And he shows him the ksuba. I mean, to me, it's a fascinating thing that that's, that's what he decides. The first thing is to show him the ksuba. 
He so the king asked about who the mother was, whose mother is, whose father is. And like, where are you from? And Shlomo Melch understood Shehu also that this guy was the guy that he saw in the heavenly spheres, that this was the guy, the Sameach Simcha Gedola, and he was totally thrilled out. And then he gives other Psukim, whatever. Bottom line is, if God wants you to marry this person, if God wants something to happen, you could be in a tower in the middle of the Mediterranean Ocean, Mediterranean Sea, and a bird is going to pick up a carcass and drop it on top of the tower with a guy in it or with a woman in it. But then if we wouldn't get such a smell of that. But, but is that crazy? Crazy? I love the story. So somebody here is a skeptic and is going to say, I, I think I saw a, a Disney movie like this. Mm-hmm. No, you didn't see any Disney movie like this. You saw things because in history there are a lot of there are a lot of Esau fables and other other things that the non-Jews took. I once uh, heard from a big historian. I I don't want to say names because it's been too long, but that William Shelley was the author of Frankenstein, right? And Frankenstein, the story, takes place in Transylvania. Transylvania is the area of of Czechoslovakia where Prague is. That area is Transylvania. We all know that there was a thing, at least there was a tale of the golem of Prague, right? The the famous golem. The concept was historically that's where that idea came from. There's a lot of things like that. There's a lot of stories in the, that, that... if you go through the Medrash, you'll see things. And the Medrash clearly talks about unicorns. What was the, the Tayash that was what we in the Mishkan, the Mishkan, the walls of the Mishkan was made out of the skin, skin of a Tayash, right? What was that? It was a multicolored cow, horse, something with, a, with one horn. I don't know. So we call that a unicorn. And the you know, secular world makes movies with stars coming out of its ears, right? You know. I like this story. How many people like this story? It's good. Is it good? Yeah. Because everybody's always making believe that they're in control. There's no control. The problem is that when you have a job, for example, all Parnassa comes from Hashem, right? We all believe that. It's very hard when you have a paycheck coming from the United States government that prints up the money so they can never go out of business, right? Can't go out of business. You know, let's get it better. When you have tenure, right? Because until you have tenure, you can be fired. But assuming you have tenure and you're working for the IRS who collects the money, right? You're not getting fired. I mean, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. You're not, they're not running out of money. They don't have the money, then they're just going to print it up or take more, more, more money. It's very difficult to feel that that money is coming from Yad Hashem. It's a little different than when you're a taxi driver 
And every time you pick somebody up, you feel that you're getting money for that specific moment. Or when a person is in some kind of situation, a farmer, that's why a farmer was always a Jewish profession. You, you could see the weather's bad. There's, all of a sudden, you have these, these bugs that are coming out of nowhere. They, we never had, we never had a, a Chinese beetle. And all of a sudden, the beetles are infesting everything. Do you remember a couple of years ago when Sukkot, there were these bugs? Do you remember On the those? lights, right? The second you, night. It was raining gnats. It was raining gnats. <laughs> yeah. was, yeah, how many people remember that? On all the lights, yeah. right? On all the, the, the It was all over the place. Now imagine you're a farmer and they're killing your crop. You feel the Yad Hashem being upset with you. Or, or the opposite, you know? Like all of a sudden, everything is growing nicely. The weather's so beautiful. It's a it's perfect weather, and the and everything. The fertilizer they came up with a new type of fertilizer, and you're barely putting in one seed, and the stalks are so big. You feel God. You feel God. It's very hard when you're in a society and in a place where, where the check comes in the mail every Friday like clockwork. It's hard. It's hard. So that's why I think it's important to read these type of midrashim, which basically are saying, you know, you can't, you, you can't, you can try to be smart, you can try to be smarter than God, but it doesn't really work like that. And God has God's decided decision. I hear from people all the time, do this, do that. It really doesn't work. It's um, it's really smoke and mirrors. It's not that the rich get married quicker. It's not that if you're smarter, you get married quicker. It doesn't, it looks like that sometimes. But it's not. That's just a game that God makes that this way there's Bechira. Because otherwise, there'd be, I mean, it would just, there would be no Bechira. So I just had to share this. There's a lot of, if you start going through Esau's fables, you see a lot of, a lot of copy. A lot of copy. And also, you've got to remember that there's a lot of Jews in Hollywood, you know? So they know a lot of the stories, you know? You know what I mean? They, they know the Midrashim too a little bit. Okay. Anybody have any comment or anything on this? Otherwise, let's go to Pirkei Elbos. I think there's a Canaan. I mean, there's a lot of questions. Could have, but oh, no, there's a lot of questions. But, 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 but the one that stood out with the Zikanim, they saw her. How come they couldn't be the Adam? I would imagine that they that the I, again I'm they just, want to keep your secret. They I'm probably sure, want yes. to keep a secret because like they maybe they were she was afraid that they that that they would kill him or maybe they would tie him up or not let the wedding happen. I could see the Shlomo HaMelech saying when the Zakanim say, What did you build this here for? And he says, because I think that there's somebody that my daughter's going to want to marry, and I don't accept it. So if anybody tries to get in, don't let it happen. You know what I mean? Like uh, Things like that happen. You also see that you don't have to listen to your halachic, but you don't have to listen to your parents if they don't like the shidduch, unless it's embarrassing. If you read between the lines over here, what does he do? He wants to know who the mother is, who's the father, like, you know, to see is there anything there that's really wrong halachically or embarrassing, and there's nothing there. It's just that he wanted his daughter to marry somebody wealthy. I mean, that's not such an unusual thing for parents. 
Um, but he changes his mind when he realizes that this is what God wants. Because that's what a good parent does, is they realize that this is who God wants. You know, you fight until maybe, I mean, I should say you fight, because I don't think you should ever fight. But until the chuppah, I was once at a chuppah that there was one parent that was dead set against the wedding. That happens sometimes. I was at the chuppah, and the father was there, and he refused to walk down the aisle. He's there. And he's refusing to, because he didn't think this was a good shidduch, so he refused. The, the, the mom is there. I was, and one of the one of the daughters said to the father with some a little peppered language, you know, said, "Dad, you walk down that aisle." And she literally threw him down the aisle, and he walked down the aisle smiling, but he was not a happy camper. You don't do that. You don't do that. You know. There's a certain point, and even if you think you're right, again, we're not talking about halachic things. That's a different story, you know? But if, if that's not the case because you don't like the fact that they're not wealthy people, that was the case over here. That's not, that's, not, that's, that's not the issue. Of course, there was more. He was the king. So there was certainly something which is befitting for the, for the king, you know? Um, we're we're going to learn Perkyavos because... I was thinking, I was going to go do, do the Gemara's about, since we're talking about women tonight, I was going to learn about Beruria, but I just said, no, it's Perkyel's time. we got to at least do some. We'll do, for the next few weeks, we'll do more <coughs> well, Medrash. We good Medrash? Very good. Yes, good, good. Anybody else here want uh, Perkyel's? You want to just listen? We'll take a pick, yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. for the of Yes. No, 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 no. No, because it's when you're talking about people who are able to talk to crocodiles <laughs> and you're able it's Slomo Hamela. That's a whole it's different thing. But how luckily you can't yeah, that that maybe <laughs> that's where maybe that's where it comes from. There's a lot of lines. Sometimes you pick these things up. You know, and you wonder, where's that lead line? That, that's, maybe that's where it comes from. Absolutely not. No, 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 no. Okay. So the first thing I want to do is, it's out of order, but I just, uh, to me, there's a message which I just want, I think is so important. After every, the Perkyavos, the, the which is found in the section of Nezikin, it's one of it's a mesechta in the Gemara in the Mishnah. But before you learn Perkyavos each chapter, there's a Mishnah that's found in Sanhedrin. That's the Mishnah Haba. And you conclude every mish, every parak with a different Mishnah, which is not from Perkyavos. And I, I just want to learn that one first. I'm going out of order. First, I'm doing the last Mishnah. Then we're going to do the first Mishnah if we have time. Okay, and then we're going to go down each each week. We'll do a little bit. And I'm going to do the whole Perkyolos online because I think it's so important to do Perkyolos. So I'm just going to read it, and then I want to talk about it for a minute because there's some things here which I just think are it's just so beautiful. It's on my mind a lot. I wanted to send it out, and unfortunately, Pesach came and went. It says in the Mishnah, 
Rabbi Hananya ben Akasha Omer, the great Rabbi Hananya ben Akasha said, God wanted to give merit to the Jewish people. In other words, God was doing, what was he doing? Therefore, God gave lots of Torah and lots of mitzvahs. God gave us a lot of mitzvahs and a lot of Torah, not because God is an angry, mean God, and therefore we have to do so much stuff. We have to wear this, and we've got to wear this, and we got to eat kosher and everything. No, no, God, it's, God, it's not because God wants to burden us. That's not the deal. God wants us to have perfection and get close to God. But God could have done it with only 10 mitzvahs, right? God could have done it with 50 mitzvahs. Why 613? And why have 613 which divide up? An example, there's a biblical commandment of that you should love your fellow Jew as yourself. That is a biblical commandment that you should love all Jewish people. From that, we have the rabbinic split off from that, that you have to go visit the sick. Because just like when you love a Jew, a person, you visit them, you love them, you're going to visit them when they're ill. And therefore, it is a biblical commandment to visit the sick, but it's not an independent. It's not an independent mitzvah. It's part of, under the category of the Ahaftalarecha Kamocha. You don't find the Pasuk in the Torah that says, and you must go to visit the sick. It's under the category. So when you visit the sick, you're getting the mitzvah of visiting the sick, which is under the category of loving your fellow Jew. Another example is um, burying a person who dies, right? The same, it's the same idea. It's under the idea of Yehavtalarecha Kamocha. Fine, you understand. We have millions of mitzvahs. Why did God do this? Why did God do this? So according to Rabbi Hanani ben Akashi, he did this to give us merit. What does that mean? What it means is this. I mean, it's not this. There's many interpretations, but just one for a moment. Everybody has to fulfill all the mitzvahs that we can. Men, for example, have mitzvahs that we can perform and fulfill, such as, let's say, a bris mila. Women, on the other hand, do not have a bris mila. Even if you woke, you don't have a bris mila. Now, um, <laughs> women have the mitzvah, let's say, of nita. They have different, you know. A Kohen has the mitzvahs that a Kohen can do. I'm not a Kohen, so I can't do the mitzvahs of a Kohen, right? Um, another thing is that we live in Chutzlarts, so therefore there's certain things that we can't do because we don't live in Israel. Chuma, Maisa, things like that. And the base of Mikdash is not here, so there's certain things we can't do, like Korbanos. But we have to do everything that's amongst, that, we, that we can do. We have to do the best we can to do everything. Okay? But here's the deal. Every person could and should find a mitzvah that they connect with. That they connect with. So, I, 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 and, and work on that specific mitzvah. You gotta do everything, but to find a mitzvah that, that resonates with them. There was a, a person his name was Rabbi Herschel Weber. You know who he was, right? 
He was the founder of Hatzalah in Williamsburg in 1969. He's like one guy in Williamsburg. What happened was there was a, a person who was a, a big rav or a friend of his who had a heart attack in Williamsburg. And it took 20 minutes for the Hatzalah, for the 911 ambulance to come. 20 minutes. The guy was dead. How long do you live if you have a heart attack without any medical help if it's a, a severe heart attack? There's no heavy. Not 20 minutes, though. No, if, no, if, I'm saying severe, heavy, you know. So he died. So this guy decided that we need to make a Jewish ambulance company to save Jewish people. And in the beginning, they didn't have walkie-talkies. They didn't even have beepers. In the beginning, from what I understand, they made phone calls. That's what I understand. I mean, I don't know, because I wasn't involved with it. And Hatzalah grew and grew from this one guy. They started using oxygen tanks and masks that they would reuse. They were first set of equipment. Really? Oxygen tanks and, re- and masks that they would reuse. This one person changed the world. He did all the other mitzvahs. He was a Hasidish Yid from Williamsburg. But this resonated to him. Just like it resonates to Simi. You know, I love the idea of Hatzalah. But, um, nah, you know what I mean? If I was in Hatzalah, they'd have to have a 24-hour Hatzalah guy following <laughs> me the whole time. You know what I mean? It's just not, it's crazy, but that's what it means. Like, so therefore, Hashem made it that in the, the, the spiritual DNA of the human being, that you take a guy like Simi, and he finds that mitzvah. And that might not be his personal mitzvah, by the way. I'm, I'm not... I'm not saying that, but 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 certainly you relate to it. Certainly you relate to it. Medicine and that, it's in that blood. The, the craziest story, not craziest, but the most identifiable thing when I think about this idea of people taking their own mitzvah was this person, you should go online and read about this guy because you guys are all too young to really know this person. I did meet him a few times. His name was Joseph Rosenberger. He was an Austrian Jewish survivor of the Holocaust. But I don't know how he did this, but he got he was in Auschwitz and he got out of Auschwitz. He was there in the early, like right in the beginning when they were they weren't it wasn't a death camp yet. That's what I suspect. But whatever it was, he was a Holocaust survivor, was in Auschwitz, comes to America and he sees that nobody knows anything about shotness. Shotness is the mixture of wool and linen, which is a biblical prohibition. And he proceeds to make a shotness laboratory in Williamsburg. Nobody knew what shotness was. Nobody cared. I don't want to say cared, but from people, nobody knew anything about it. And this guy decides that this mix has got to come alive in America. And he went to textile classes. He learned how to be able to identify. If you have a suit, how do you know if it has shotness? Like, do you have to rip apart the whole suit? What do you got to do? And he figured out a way 
that very simply you could test everything and know right away, like immediately. And he was a Hasidish guy. Go online, you can read about him. He would wear these like this like like microscope on his on top. Like you wear something like that, but yours mm-hmm. is made professional. He made this like a concocted this non this thing. And he literally changed the world that wherever you go in the religious world, wherever you go, the idea of asking the um, your 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 tailor or dry cleaner or even the store whether this has shotness or not is not it's not out of bounds you know you could ask and and non-jewish stores some of them at least in the new york area and probably in the larger cities they don't they've heard of it and it's not crazy this guy had an affinity to shotness in 1965 i'm not 19 I just looked this up today. Sorry, yeah, it was in 1975. Yoshua Tzvi Hershkowitz in Borough Park officially made the first Tomchei Shabbos. What happened was he saw a lot of, he worked in the post office. You see, nobody today who's religious can work in the post office anymore because you can't survive on it. Can't, you can't, you can't, it used to be working in the post office was a legitimate job for a, fa- a family man, you know, you took a civil service test, worked nine to five, right, you weren't going to be wealthy, but you had a job and you, you know, you worked and you were able to make ends meet with it. Today it's, uh, you, nobody, you, right, you work for the post office. I think everyone was poor though, it was acceptable no. to be poor. It, it, I don't think they were poor. That it was just what it was. Everybody, I I don't know if you ever, if anybody here ever watched the honeymooners. Ever watched honeymooners? Mm-hmm. They lived in an apartment house in Brooklyn, right? That's what people did. So I I don't know if they were all poor, but it was like that was that's what people did. You know, people lived in Manhattan or in apartment houses. You grew up in an apartment house. That's what people did. That's what people did. You're right. Today, we're very, very oriented to making a lot of money and spending a lot of money and having a lot of debt and a lot of debt. You know, I joke around about it, but if I would, God forbid, not have Poland spring water in my house, I think my family would, they wouldn't know what to do. How many people here grew up in their house as kids with Poland spring water or even Deer Park water? In the house, anybody here? You did. How many? Show me hands. How many people growing up? Growing up, not now. Everybody now has it. I'm not talking about now. I'm saying anybody here grow up with spring water because you're younger than us. Okay, okay. (laughs) But anybody here grow up? Okay, (laughs) with spring water in your house? Anybody? Yeah, yeah. Where the filtered water? Where was this? Well, Canada. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but in America, nobody grew up with this. Nobody grew up with this. So you're right. It's financially different. So you can't work in you can't work in the post office. But it used to be a very, very, it wasn't prestigious, but it was a, it was a, a job, you know. There were men that used to work on the night shift, and then they would, you know, during the day, they would be with their families or whatever. It was a regular job. So this guy 
was uh, worked in the post office in Borough Park, and he saw that there were a lot of poor Yidden. So in the 60s and the early 70s, he used to make packages with his neighbors. They used to collect food and make packages, you know? And in 1975, they, you know, they made it into an organization called Tom Chavez. And now Tom Chavez is all over us. Again, it's one guy. That's what it means. I mean, there's one part of saying that how one person can change the world. That is true. But the other angle of it is how he took one mitzvah that spoke to him. There's a, there's a lot of people are connected to Tom Chavez. But in this neighborhood, there's like two people that like, I think of Yehuda Weinberg. You, you, I'm, I'm not saying he's the only one. My wife and kids go to Temple Shabbos every Wednesday night. I'm not saying that he's the only one. But if you speak to him, you know that he's like him and uh, Laufer. They're like very, you know, they, 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 they feel something about it. And also Mr. Pellman, you know, there's like, they, you know what I mean? They just, it resonates to them. It resonates to all of us, of course. But there's uh, something... The Vilna Gon, it said that before he died, he held his tzitzis. Because apparently tzitzis was a big deal for the Vilna Gon, really. Well, you remember Rev Scheinberger? You've heard about him, the tzitzis. You know, he used to wear like 100 pairs of tzitzis. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. I don't know. Everybody's got to find something that resonates. Do you know what I mean? Like, I love blowing chauffeur. I'll tell you the truth. Even when sometimes it, during COVID it was hard. I, I tell you, it was hard because I was sick, and it was hard. It was hard. I, I was supposed to have cataract surgery, and um, the doctor said to me, just remember that you can't lift anything heavy for like a month after you have uh, cataract surgery. So I said, okay. I come home, I told my family and my daughter says you can't blow shofar because of the pressure i called the doctor and he says to me your, your daughter's right so i didn't have cataract surgery until after you doing tovim i like blowing shofar i like here also we all understand that but i'm just saying everybody's got you know but my father was a moil i'm not being a moil my father was a shaykhet I was a vegetarian. You know what I mean? Everybody's got different things. That's what this Mishnah means. That Hashem gave us so many mitzvahs that you can find your little niche for your specific, what you like to do. You know, everybody? Excellent. We'll stop now. Does anybody here, you don't have to talk about it. I'm not asking you to discuss it. But does anybody here have like a, a feeling towards certain mitzvahs that they like this is like they're they feel like a little connected. Turn off. Laning. Laning. Yeah. You gotta see him today. You gotta see him. This guy.